Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the NBA Podcast. We are now a little over three weeks into the 2016-17 season. The contenders are starting to separate from the pretenders, and we will be talking about a lot of that today. Before we get underway, be sure to check us out on iTunes. You can download, uh, subscribe, leave some reviews. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can find us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you'll find all three of our Twitter handles as well, so check us out there. And be sure to give our new site, FanRag Sports, which is what today's Fast Break has been rebranded to, give them a follow as well on Twitter, at FanRag Sports and at FanRagNBA for just the NBA section. With all of that said, today I am joined, as always, by Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. How's it going, guys? It's going well, Brian. <laughs> going all right. That's good to hear. Both of your teams are off. And now, an ad from Dad. All right. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Big wins, and so so are my Sixers, actually. So it's a, a good day in the NBA podcast universe. <laughs> so we're going to get started here with Drew Holiday, who is set to make his season debut on Friday. Uh, he was sidelined throughout the preseason and the first few weeks of the regular season, to take care of his wife, who underwent surgery on a brain tumor in October. And he also, his wife, and he had a child uh, a few weeks before that. So he was taking care of his wife and his newborn. So, I mean, first of all, we're just thrilled that he's coming back at all. It's, you know, it's great news for the holidays. Uh, So we're just happy to have him back in the NBA, aside from being able to watch him play. Just very happy that he and his family are doing well. That said, it's now time to focus on the on-court ramifications of his return. Uh, Without him, the Pelicans have struggled pretty badly, uh, and they are toward the bottom of the Western Conference. So, Sarah, do you think Drew Holiday is going to help the Pelicans turn their season around? Uh, I think Drew Holiday is going to help the Pelicans. Uh, I don't think that they're really going to turn their season around, no. Um, he, he definitely can't hurt. I mean, right? He's he's going to help. Hopefully, guys like like Solomon Hill, who 
uh, at the beginning of the season, I went out on a limb and said he would justify uh, the money that he's getting. So far, hasn't quite fanned out, but a lot of season left. Um, but, you know, a guy like him, Etwan Moore, who all three of us like, I think Drew can only help those guys. Um, hopefully help take pressure off of AD. But I just... They're just not a very good team regardless. Like, they're still going to be around the bottom of the Western Conference, unfortunately, is the way I see it. So certainly thrilled to have him back. Um, and hopefully hopefully he can make me eat my words. That'd be great. But I don't, I don't see it turning around, really. No. That's fair. Mort, are you any more optimistic than Sarah is? Nope. No, sorry, (laughs) I'm not. Um, Look, I love the fact that Drew Holiday is coming back. I think that is a good sign not not just for him, but his wife and the entire thing going on at home. And for the Pelicans, obviously, as well, I think they will see an improved effort every night. Mm -hmm. But I I believe I mentioned before that we have to acknowledge she's been injured a lot. So he has to come back and learn everything and make sure that... You know, he's incorporated fully. Um, Sarah mentioned Solomon Hill as a guy <laughs> that we hope we were hoping to have live up to his contract. I was pretty down on Solomon Hill. And you guys actually talked me into supporting the guy. And oh, Well, that sounded horrible. I, I do support him. I support every NBA <laughs> player. But not be down on his production. And so far, unfortunately, my concerns were valid because... Ouch! Thirty-one percent from the field, and what what did he sign for? Fifty-two million. Yeah, something around there. I mean, I don't even care if that was under the new cap. That's just too much. And yeah, I mean, you have to look at that roster and the way they distribute their financials, and you have to assume that they're actually in a pretty tough spot. Like, how are they going to upgrade? You know, Buddy Heald hasn't looked like we thought he would. Obviously, there's a lot of time left, and he's bound to get better, but it doesn't really look all that positive as of right now. And Tyreek Evans is not a guy I have any any um, confidence in whatsoever, especially in this league and era where everything is about spacing and movement. So no, Brian, to answer your question, I am not more optimistic than Sarah at all. I'm prob- probably a little bit more pessimistic, actually. <laughs> Good. Okay. Well, Pelicans fans, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to take the optimistic angle here. Uh, I wrote a thing for B-Ball Breakdown recently about Drew coming back and what effect he'll have. I mean, the obvious one is that he's just going to push the Pelicans point guard rotation back a spot. So right now, Tim Frazier has been starting and playing well for them. But after that, it goes downhill very quickly. You know, Lance Stevenson got hurt and they ended up waving him. So they've really been relying on the likes of Archie Goodwin and Langston Galloway as their main backup ball handlers uh, for the last couple games. And that has not been going well. So the fact Holiday, I mean, uh, Alvin Gentry, their head coach, did say he's not going to throw Holiday out there for 35 minutes on Friday. He's going to ease him back in a little bit. But, you know, just having the option of having either Holiday or Frazier on the court for all 48 minutes should help at least somewhat. That said, their defense has still been very bad. Uh, Holiday is a great defender, but I don't think he alone will single-handedly fix that. Uh, You know, their only 
four and a half games out of a playoff spot right now, so it's too early to bury them completely. But that said, a similar thing happened last year where they fell into a huge hole, and then they kept trying to dig out of it, and they you know they get to close to 500, and they lose a couple games, and they could never just quite get over that hill. So unless they have a huge winning streak once Holiday returns, uh, you know, it's going to be hard to be optimistic about their playoff chances. That said, I do not think they are the worst team in the West once he comes back. And Morton, you mentioned Tyreek Evans. He started practicing as well on Tuesday. Uh, he's had three knee surgeries since last February. So again, you can't be super optimistic about him hitting the ground running. You got to figure, you know, Holiday. He's been out, but it's not like it's been an injury. He's just been, you know, caring for his wife. So it'll take him a couple games to get back up to speed just because he hasn't played basketball in a few months. Uh, But it's not like they're going to have to ramp him up slowly. In theory, he should be able to regain his old form pretty quickly, whereas Evans, I think, will take a little bit more time. That said, you're just, you know, adding two of, in theory, your best four or five players back into your lineup. It's going to help. It's not going to hurt, that's for sure. Uh, so I think there's reason for optimism in New Orleans. I'm not writing them off completely. Definitely not as the worst team in the West, which record-wise they are right now. That said, you know, the West is already shaping up to be really good, uh, and there have been a couple surprising teams out West. So it's going to be tough for them to get back in the playoffs, uh, especially you know, Anthony Davis missed Wednesday's game. I think it was a a right quad contusion, I want to say something like that, which is just a bruise. It's not a huge deal, but it just kind of understates the fragility of Anthony Davis. You know, he's never played more than 70 games in a season. You can't bank on it happening now. So, you know, there there is reason for optimism in New Orleans with Drew and Tyreek coming back. But if Davis goes down, their season does as well. Uh, speaking of, you know, I mentioned there are some surprising teams out West. I think the biggest surprise so far are the Los Angeles Lakers, who are 7-5 and five on this young season. Uh, in terms of the, uh, the Westgate Superbook in Las Vegas prior to the season gave them the second worst over-under in the league, ahead of only Phoenix. They were, or no, ahead of, uh, Brooklyn, I believe, sorry, uh. You know, they were below, behind the Philadelphia 76ers, who won 10 games last year. I think their their over-under was like 24.5. So they're already almost a third of the way to that at 7-5. and five. More, What do you think, who deserves the most credit for this big turnaround from L.A.? Well, the obvious answer is Luke Walton, but mm-hmm. I want to dig into the players beforehand. Julius Randle is so much better this year than he was last year. I had major concerns about his efficiency last year. He had a true shooting percentage of, I think, 48 last year. It's Mm -hmm. above 60 now. Obviously, small sample size alert. But it does seem like some of it is sustainable. He's sitting better from the line. He's taking smarter shots. It seems like Luke is throwing up some plays for him. That's that's really getting him going. And also, he's got a, a nice bounce uh, to him that he didn't display last year, probably coming off the broken leg and whatnot. But, yeah, I mean, I'm really digging what Julius Randle is doing right now. And obviously the quarterback in, in D'Angelo Russell, he's he's doing wonderfully as, as well. You know, not having Kobe in front of him has just unlocked him entirely. And 
I mean, I think we all knew that last year was just a waiting game. It was yeah. the whole goodbye thing, and it suspended their development curve a year. And now we're seeing what the Lakers have been waiting for, and the result, at least so far, has been so much better than anyone anticipated. And, you know, good for the Lakes. Yeah. But I, to answer your question, Luke Walton. Luke I, Walton. I dig that. I think uh, I, I was going to shout out Julius if you didn't. You yeah. know, I I before the season started, I forget where. I think it was the, uh, from the Orange County Register. Uh, Draymond Green spoke with them and said that Julius Randle can be a better version of Draymond Green, which I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you? Are you crazy? Because, you know... As you said, more the last season he scored decently, he rebounded well, but that was it. Like, we didn't yeah. see any sort of this facilitating that he's been doing this year. Uh, he wasn't really racking up like steals and blocks. He, he didn't really assert himself as a defensive presence. So it seemed like he was kind of in the mold of a Kenneth Fareed. Whereas now you're like, oh wow, he really is kind of more of a Draymond Green. Like he is kind of this do-it-all glue guy. And when you're pairing him with two electric scorers like D'Angelo Russell and Brandon Ingram, you know, the latter hasn't really gotten off. Uh, you know, he's not scoring like Kevin Durant did as a rookie, but that's partially by design. But, you know, those guys are going to put up 20, 25 points a game for, you know, for the next 10 years. Yeah. Uh, so he, he really, I never really considered him as part of their long-term core before this year. But now it looks like he really is, you know, a, a long-term piece to keep in mind with that, with that Russell and Ingram and Jordan Clarkson. Uh, Sarah, has anyone caught your eye out in LA? Yeah, I mean, you guys nailed it with Julius Randle. Um, he, he looks great, and a lot of us had reservations going into the year and thought maybe Larry Nance would would take his starting spot and. That, that's kind of all out the window because the bench is great and Randall looks great. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't even really want to give one guy most credit because it really has been such a great team effort. Um, D'Angelo looks good. Nick Young is defending. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like, what, what is happening? Um, and, yeah, Luke obviously deserves a lot of credit for that because, you know, there's so much that happens just when you kind of have a coach yeah. who gets out of your way. And then also could help put you in uh, positions to succeed. Uh, that's huge. So, yeah, it's been a full team effort. Their bench is one of the best in the league, is it not? So, and we thought that yeah. it had the potential to be really good coming into the year. So, <laughs> they've more than lived up to that. So, yeah, it's it's been a full team effort. Yeah, uh, Lou Williams also has been playing well mm -hmm. off the bench. To to speak to your bench point, I mean. I, when I saw that Vegas over-under, I said it in our division preview that it seemed pretty low to me. Uh, you know, I just thought the infusion of Deng and Mozgov, we made fun of Mozgov's contract, but he's still, you know, he's a, he's a good player. He's fine. If, if you were paying him half as much, we wouldn't bat an eye at that contract. Uh, you know, it would just help a lot. And <laughs> you guys both said it. I think without Kobe, it, this is just a totally different team. Like, there is just bad juju in that locker room last year with uh, Byron Scott basically, you know, holding D'Angelo accountable and benching him for one bad shot, and then Kobe is taking these, like, 28-foot fadeaways with 18 seconds left on the shot clock. He's like, yeah, you're fine, Kobe. Just, you do you. It's your last season. 
so it seems, it definitely seems like the young guys are taking to Luke Walton well. Uh, mm. You know, and it, it kind of speaks to Miami. You know, there's a lot of, there's always this talk of like, well, shouldn't they have tried to keep Dwayne Wade? And I think these Lakers go to show like there is value in moving on from your aging stars if they're not willing to take a smaller role, which, you know, as we're seeing Wade in the Bulls, he's he does not think he's at that point in his career yet, and he's clearly not. Uh, you know, unless you're willing to do a Tim Duncan or a Dirk Nowitzki and, like, willingly take a backseat to some of your younger guys, there is value in moving on. So the Lakers <laughs> did not do that last year. They got Brandon Ingram out of it, but good on the Lakers now for, you know, giving their fans reason for hope. And as a Sixers fan who, you know, the Sixers own their top three protected first-round pick, I'm ecstatic to see them good. I think (laughs) at at some point, I think regression's going to hit them pretty hard. But I don't, Mm. you know, I I am no longer worried about them being one of the three worst teams in the league. So if their first-round pick ends up in the, like, 8 to 10 range... And you got that from Michael Carter-Williams, you know, just another feather in Sam Hinkie's cap. So very, very happy for the Lakers uh, for both selfish and selfless reasons. Another... So wait oh. a second, Brian. Yes. Luol Deng. You mentioned Luol Deng. Mm-hmm. Like they're doing this despite of Luol Deng's struggles. Like we yeah. have to touch about this, touch on this. 31% from the field after 12 games. He's averaging just 6.4 points a night. And playing a half. Like, okay, when he was awarded 70, 72, was it 72 million? Mm-hmm. We all thought he was going to play at least 30. And he was mm-hmm. going to be this probably 15 and 8 guy playing a lot of small ball for. He's not looked good offensively. Defensively, he brought the effort. He's still active on the glass and he's functioning as a mentor, which is great. And you're partly paying him loads of money to do that as well. But the fact that his game has now regressed, it certainly looks that way. What the hell do you do, like, after this year? And if it keeps going worse, if if it's going to get worse for him, offensively speaking. That's a hell of a lot of money to have on that cap, just for him. I think you pray for an amnesty that sounds like it's not going to happen in the new CBA. Yeah. but you know, otherwise, we we we're not you know we made fun of Mozgov's contract relentlessly, but the length <laughs> of Deng's deal did give us pause back when that happened because you know he's thirty one or so, right? But you yeah. know, he played for Thibodeau, so he's really forty <laughs> in a thirty year old's body. Oh yeah, of course you had to go there. <laughs> of yeah. course, I mean yeah. he played, but he played like you know upwards of thirty eight, forty minutes a night for a couple seasons, and that's. That's going to wear on you. So hopefully, you know, last year in Miami, he, uh, he I don't want to say he struggled, but he was not the star that he was at the end of last year. Yeah. Uh, so maybe, you know, long term, they're going to put Brandon Ingram as their starting three at some point. So maybe you move Deng to the bench and you put him in that backup power forward role, which is what he thrived in in Miami. Mm. Uh but for now, I think you just got to roll with the punches until Ingram's ready to start. And, you know, Luke Walton has been very uh, resolute about saying, look, this kid, 
you know, he's, he weighs like 200 pounds soaking wet. He just can't, (laughs) (laughs) he can't take the pounding of an 82 game season right away. We just got to ease him in, ease him in. And I think at some point this season, he will supplant Deng as the starting three, but for now, especially with things going well, you know, if you're seven and five, even despite that, hope Deng can snap out of this funk. And whenever, if he can't, then whenever Ingram's ready, switch him and hope Deng can get some rhythm off the bench. Yeah, it'd be necessary. Hey, oh, and final credit to Luke Walton. No mm-hmm. one is playing more than 28 minutes a game. Damn. No one. That's crazy. That is that's, that is wonderful, really. Yeah, that's that's really smart, especially for a... Given the depth they have, you know, why, mm-hmm. why not take advantage of it? It's a, it's good, good on him for... You know, Byron went <laughs> very veteran-heavy approach last year, so it's good that Luke is getting his kids minutes and getting them important minutes, but also still relying on the vets that he has rather than just going into a full-on hinky-esque tank rebuild. Uh, so, you know, the Lakers are definitely one team that have exceeded early expectations. I think the other big one, the Brooklyn Nets... They're four and seven, sure, but most people expected them to be the worst team in the league by far. Yeah. Uh, and they, you know, they're they're not that. They put up a fight against the Lakers the other night. They're just frisky. Uh, so, you know, I, I've been very high on the Nets ever since they hired uh, Sean Marks, who came from the San Antonio tree, uh, and Kenny Atkinson, who was Jeremy Lin's former assistant coach in New York. And we should mention they're four and seven, even though Lynn strained a hamstring uh, close to two weeks ago and hasn't played for a decent chunk of the season. So, Sarah, who has caught your eye in Brooklyn? I will be honest, I have not seen a single Nets game yet. So (laughs) for me to try to explain what's going on in Brooklyn would just be me making stuff up. That's fair. I will say that I was looking at their pace they're second in the league so i'm guessing that's a big part of their their mo is pushing in the ball so Mm -hmm. you you tell me who's pushing it the most and how are they making it work mort do you want to take that one well they're getting a lot of three-point shots Mm. so and it's quick shots like they're averaging almost 35 attempts from behind the arc which is third in the league not hitting it particularly well, well, right. but that's that's how it is. But they're trying to establish themselves as a running team. Um, you, you know, Sean Kilpatrick, who was decent last year after getting there, has really built on his success this year, averaging almost 15 in, I think, 25 or 26 minutes a night. So you have some firepower coming off the bench. You have Brooke Lopez who started jacking up threes like he's Steph Curry. Uh, not making them at the same rate, but, you know, I, I, they're just... Brian, Brian said it. I mean, they are... What was the word you used? Splunky, spurchy, whatever. You know, frisky, frisky, yeah. whatever. They're, they're just... They're young, they're athletic, they like to move, and they, gosh darn it, they're actually entertaining. Which has been like I put them at my my lowest league pass rank for the past few years. They proved the hell out of me if wrong. I mean, they proved me wrong. So you know, they I would probably put them in the top 
eight. Is that fair? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> look, they might they might be losing, but they're yeah. fun. Yeah. They are, they, and they're trying because they know they they're not going to get a draft pick anyway. Right. So yeah. you know, <laughs> they're going for the W's. Yeah, they have like a 2014-15 Sixers vibe to them before the Okafor just mm. rained a cloud of darkness upon the team for <laughs> over a year. But yeah, they're like they're they're just they're like fun bad instead of depressing bad, which is yeah. how I would describe the 2015-16 76ers. Uh also, I mean, Trevor Booker has been playing out of his freaking mind and you know that that I liked what the Nets did conceptually this summer. Uh, you know, they did not. While the Knicks went out and got all these big names, they got Derrick Rose and Joakim Noah and Courtney Lee and Brandon Jennings. The Nets were like, no, we're going to go for these fringe guys. We're going to go for guys who are not going to, like, have splashy headlines. We're going to get the Justin Hamiltons and the Trevor Bookers. And Jeremy Lin, you know, he's he has his insane Twitter army that will... <laughs> come attack you anytime you don't call him the best point guard in the league uh, <laughs> I'm sure next time anytime a Jeremy Lin fans hear this podcast my mentions will just die uh, but they, they really tried to build a young team because they knew they didn't have the draft capital that most rebuilding teams do you know they, they have the pick swap with Boston this year and their next their 2018 first rounder is going to Boston uh, unprotected next year. So, Morton, as you said, they have no incentive to tank because they're not. They're only going to send a better pick to Boston. Yeah. Uh, so I really just liked conceptually what they did this summer, and I'm glad it is panning out for them. You know, I, even before Lynn went down, it really seemed like he and Atkinson are just a perfect fit. And uh, I think Howard Beck of Bleacher Report had a story about what made them work so well together. And it's just clearly, like, Atkinson knows what Lynn's strengths and weaknesses are. He knows he's a pick-and-roll point guard, and yeah. he's not going to shoehorn him into an offensive system that doesn't take advantage of those skills. He's going to run a lot of pick-and-roll and let Lynn do what he does best and then kind of mix it up from there. Uh, but, you know, you mentioned Brooke Lopez. I think he had 11 three-point attempts the other night. Like, Yep, he did. Yeah, he, yeah, Atkinson is letting these guys kind of test their range a little bit and test, you know, go outside the box, which I like. So not I'm just... one net, Brian, not one net has resisted taking a three. The lowest three point attempt on the year for um, any player is three. So every <laughs> player on the roster has attempted at least three three pointers this year in eleven awesome. games. And if you look at their per uh, per game numbers. Only Chris McCulloch is under one attempt a game, and he's at 0.8. And he's doing that in just 7.3 minutes, so if you adjust for regular minutes, he's also shooting that ball. So basically, the Nets have created a 15-man roster who all are capable and willing to shoot the three-pointer. That is next-level analytic shit we're going (laughs) with here. I love it. Yeah, they just won up to Mori Ball. So, uh, just, I'm, again, I'm happy for Nets fans. I'm especially happy because those Nets picks that are going to Boston look worse by the day. So, mm. for all that we've railed on Danny Ainge for his inactivity on the trade market, those are depreciating assets even more so than before. So, you know, it, it's time to make a move, Boston, because that, 
that Brooklyn 2018 first rounder isn't looking like a surefire top three pick anymore. Could have had Jimmy. Could have had Jimmy. But let's transition to another swingman who is not faring as well as Jimmy Butler these days. Evan (gasps) Turner. Surprise. Evan Turner. So... Through 286 minutes this season, he has been a minus 111, according to Matt Moore of CBS Sports. Moore said, tweeted this the other night, according to an unnamed media source, that is almost twice as bad as any other player on a team that is 500 or better. So let, let's just let that sink in, this four-year, <laughs> $70 million player. Well, uh, no one saw that coming. Yeah. So... More, do you think there's anything what could the Blazers do to help him turn this around if anything oh, God that's that's a difficult question because obviously you can get him going in, in some capacity but it means giving up superior options mm-hmm. like if you he's a guy who needs the ball right. everyone knew this and yeah. it, like what's the alternative taking the ball out of the hands of Dame and CJ? Like, why would you do that? It makes right. no sense. And even if you have him coming off the bench, you would take the ball out of the hands of Alan Crabb, who's a significantly better player. I mean, this is this was just such a bad sighting, and everyone saw it. And it's this is what perplexes me about the NBA. We all are we know you know they are all so intelligent, the people behind the scenes. But there there are times when deals are so blatantly silly, and everyone can see it. And yet, it still gets done, and people are like, oh, j- these are professionals we're dealing with. Of course, <laughs> this is going to work out. And look, I, I, I have great respect for, for the Portland Trailblazers organization. They've done it so well over the, the past few years. The way they got over LaMarcus leaving for San Antonio, I mean, inspiring, honestly. Mm-hmm. Downright inspiring. And then they just messed it up with that signing. Yeah. And that's why the last time I mentioned Alan Crabb and his struggles, that now I'm concerned. That's why I'm concerned. Now you have two guys both combining for a for what 145 million who are not contributing. Yeah. Uh, not what you needed, Portland. Not no. what you needed. And yeah, you sure you could get Evan Turner going, but for what reason and at what cost? This was yeah. just ridiculous. Yeah. And at this point you're not going to find a taker for him. You're not going to like be able to trade him for anything of value. You're going to have to well, attach the something. <laughs> That's true. Well, but even the Knicks, I think, at this point, would make Portland attach something of value or like take back a really bad contract, which they don't actually have on the books right now because Derek is going to be a free agent after this year anyway. Well, Joaquin. Oh, that's true. Oh, yeah, there you go. That could just be... I, wait, that's not a bad swap, is it? Oh, well, depends who you ask. I think for both fans of both teams, they would say yes. But, yeah, that that would uh, definitely take care. Uh, just really trade their problems, respectively. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, uh, I, I'm equally as pessimistic as you. I don't think he's going to be, like, a league worst plus minus. No. Uh, no. But I also don't think he's going to become the player that he was in Boston. I think that ship has sailed, and they're, you know, the, the logic behind acquiring him was they just wanted an extra ball handler aside from Damon CJ. But Alan Crabb could have turned into that guy in theory, and like easily, easily yeah. even. Yeah, 
It God. seemed like it was a contingency signing. It, maybe they weren't sure what was going to happen with Crab. And then once they saw, and once they were like, oh, yeah, we can match that. They're like, oh, crap, we shouldn't have signed Devin. Sorry. Yeah. We, yeah. Okay. So, sorry, Portland fans. But, hey, at least you guys, <laughs> despite Turner's struggles, at least you guys are still in the playoffs as of now. Uh, I want to move to Sean Devaney of Sporting News, who reported a couple days ago that this time the DeMarcus Cousins trade rumors might actually be legitimate. You know, we've heard these for years at this point, and Kings fans are, anytime you mention Boogie getting traded, they get very angry and defensive, as they should, because to date nothing has happened, and Vivek has pushed away those rumors every chance he gets. But they're saying, you know, the Kings are 4-8 and eight now, uh, and I just want to read out uh, their upcoming schedule to give you a sense of where they could be, you know, come hell, even the start of December. So on Friday, they have the Clippers, then the Raptors, the Thunder, the Rockets, the Nets, the Wizards, the Sixers. So the end of the month, they've got a couple cupcakes in theory, but mm. they're the Clippers, so, or they're the, sorry, they're the Kings, so nothing is a cupcake for them, but... I mean, feasibly, they could be 4-12 and 12 heading into that Brooklyn game. And we just talked about Brooklyn actually being kind of frisky. So, you know, they could be staring at a huge deficit uh, by the end of the month in terms of the playoff race. So, Sarah, do you think it is time to pull the trigger on a DeMarcus Cousins trade? Yeah, because I, I really don't think you're going to get him back. So, why not see what you can get for him? Um, but at the same time, he's playing well, and he seems to be getting along with his coach at the moment. So it's a tough call always to, to get rid of a guy that talented. Um, but, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's probably time to move on from him and Rudy Gay because Gay said that he doesn't, you know, well, he seems like he doesn't want to be there. He's not talking about sticking around anyway. Um, so, yeah, probably. But... I don't, I'm trying to think of where I'd like to see him go. And there's not... Like, teams who need who need bigs. The Mavericks could use a young, youngish big, but I don't know what would be enticing there for, for the Kings. I don't know. I'm interested to hear what you guys come up with because oh, you guys on. are always more creative than me in, in uh, the <laughs> trade scenarios. So. Come on, Sarah admitted you would rather have DeMarcus than, than Powell. I mean... Uh, Powell <laughs> kicked butt in Sacramento last night. I was quite proud That's of Powell, true. actually. Yeah, he did. Yeah, but He does I, that on occasion. Yeah, on occasion. Yeah, on occasion. Um, I don't know. I guess because Pop could probably, you know, they'd probably get along. Mm-hmm. But I'm always a little wary of, of guys who have so many hiccups like that, you know. So Organizational yeah, hiccups, though. Yeah, yeah. That's true. He is incredibly talented. I mean, it's it's crazy to watch him play. So, I don't know. Well, who else? So you he think would, Spurs? He, Spurs is a good, yeah. good, good fit. I would love him in San Antonio. Absolutely love him. He would finally have a coach who knew what to do with him, and he would instantly listen to Pop. Like, could you imagine a trio of some sort if it was all? You know, at all possible, Kawhi, Lamarcus, and Demarcus. 
It's, that would be unfair. But <laughs> what do the Spurs have that could entice That's, Sacramento is the question. Well, you know, magic beans. Yeah, <laughs> <It's>, right. <laughs> Danny Green off of LASIK. Yeah. I mean, look, you're, you're dealing with a guy who didn't even know the salary cap. I'm not really <laughs> concerned. <laughs> That's, right. That's a fair point. Uh, I'm shocked that you didn't say, aren't you the one hammering the boogie to Denver train? Yeah, yeah. No, it makes go. total sense. I mean, I, I I think he would make so much sense for Denver, given that Mike Malone is there. You have like a plethora of shooting guards, young shooting guards on rookie deals that you could send the other way. So value is there to be found. Uh, DeMarcus getting big minutes at sea at Denver would mean that Nikola Jokic probably goes the other way. Mm-hmm. That would be a shame because he's really terrific, but it's a sacrifice I probably would be, would be willing to take. Yeah. But I would absolutely hate a starting lineup consisting of Bookie and Kenneth Reed alongside one another. Mm-hmm. Like Then you would have to put Wilson Chandler in some sort of small ball four row or even yeah. Gallo or something like that. But yeah. Denver is logical for, for many reasons, as is Boston. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, there are quite a few teams out there that make sense. Theoretically, like the Bulls as well, um, but they just don't have the pieces. Yeah. Uh, and Philly, I don't assume, would no. want to no. to get in, get a get a guy like that when you, you have Joel Embiid. Yeah. So, yeah, you would probably be looking more at a point guard. Right. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking Boogie's teammate from Kentucky would make a lot of sense for you guys. I've been mentioning that before. Mr. John but, Wall. Mr. John Wall. Yeah. I, that, uh, watching him in that Sixers game last night, it was just like, John, I feel so bad for you. You're losing to the Sixers. Maybe you should join <laughs> forces with us. We'll, we'll, yep. give, we'll give Nerlens and Okafor and our first round pick for you. Just come come to yeah. Philly. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Denver and Boston are the, very, the two obvious uh, landing oh. spots just based on need. Uh, you know, Denver doesn't need another big man because they have Jokic and Yusuf Nurkic. Um, yeah. But that said, you can always package one or both in the trade to get Boogie because Lord knows the Kings don't have enough centers as is. Uh, and Boston, you know, obvious fit next to Al Horford. So if those trade rumors do heat up over the coming months, those are definitely two of the teams to watch. More, I think you nailed it. Philly has the assets, but they, you know, they've got. 16 centers already. They don't need another one. Uh, and I off yeah. off ball idea, goofball idea, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Buddy Healed, Etwan Moore, and an unprotected first from New Orleans. I don't think that would be enough. No, probably not. Then you can throw in an another unprotected pick if yeah. need be. But I would sure as heck love to see AD and, and Cousins just in the same front court. That would be super fun. Yeah, I, like a lot of these, a lot of the places that he fits, the teams just don't have the assets, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah it would be like, oh god, see him. Both could shoot now. Yeah. Both are shooting threes, so it's not going to be like they are clogging up the lane for one another. Right. Both right, can right, pass. Right. Yeah, yeah, that would be super fun. So. Let's keep an eye out for boogie trade rumors over the coming weeks. I did see uh, Zach Lowe had a column today on the OKC Thunder, and he mentioned that they have been going back and forth on trading for Rudy Gay as well. 
So that's another name. Sarah mentioned him earlier as someone to keep yeah. an eye on because he is a free agent after this year, and he has said he has no plan on sticking around in Sacramento. So they would be crazy not to trade him, especially you know the second their season goes south, it's time to move these guys because like your their idea was oh we have this new arena we're going to try to make the playoffs blah blah blah, but if you're like you know ten and twenty five you're not making the playoffs. So at that point. It's really time, you know, you're not keeping Gay. You have to trade him before you lose him for nothing. Boogie is only signed through 2017-18, so the earlier you trade him, the more you're going to get. Uh, So it's really, I mean, it's now or never. If they're not going to trade him now, they're not going to get much for him next year because he can be a free agent after that. So keep an eye out. Sorry, Sacramento fans, for bringing that up, but it's just the reality that, you know, you're organization has been a tire fire for seven years and has wasted all of DeMarcus Cousins so far. Uh, Let's touch briefly, you know, we make a concerted effort here not to talk about the Warriors, the Cavs, and the Clippers every time. There's only so much to say aside from, hey, they're really good. Uh, But we do want to give, we want to give some brief shout outs to teams right outside of that, you know, top tier championship elite uh, that actually are playing really well. Uh, notably Charlotte, Atlanta, Houston, and Toronto. So, Sarah, I want to throw this to you first. Have any of those teams impressed you more than you expected this year? Well, yeah, I'm glad actually to have the opportunity (laughs) to say that right now because I was pretty skeptical about Charlotte. I was worried Mm -hmm. about their ability to score. Um, I, I don't remember where I had them. I think maybe seventh or pretty far down in in the east um and they look really good right now uh their their defensive rating is fifth in the league so i definitely didn't anticipate how how good they would be on that end which was a mistake um and i do remember them the few times that i got to see them last year (laughs) defending really well that makes a big difference and their 11th offensive rating which is pretty good actually it's certainly not terrible um they're just, they're just making it happen. Batum is a guy that I've always liked, but like even watching him in the summers with the French team, you feel like you always kind of want him to do just a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but at this point, he kind of is what he is, and what he is is a pretty darn good glue guy. I mean, he does, yes. you know, he's going to get you points, assists, rebounds, a little bit of everything. Um, Kemba Walker is playing really, really well. Yeah, <laughs> Kid Gilchrist, um, he looks pretty good. So I mean, I, yeah, they I was low on them and I was wrong so far. I think they're definitely gonna have a pretty good year if they just keep going like they're going. So my bad, Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mine too, Sarah. Mine too. Yeah. I was I wasn't really optimistic about them. Just. I, oh, to be fair, I didn't really expect Kemba Walker to come out and have a PER of 29, right, and a, and a true shooting percentage of 63.6. Brian, damn! Oh, I mean, I come on, what I, the hell happened? I, uh, I picked him in the third round of my works fantasy league. So, as someone who had faith in Kemba, I am very happy. But I also picked Pau Gasol like the fifth or the sixth round in that league. So you win some, you lose some. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, 
Kemba is an MVP candidate right now. Yeah. There's no two ways about it. He's he's averaging almost 26 points a night and doing it in under 33 minutes. He's he's draining almost three and a half triples a night. I mean, I, I think he is one of those rare guys who, much like Jimmy Butler, actually after his fourth year, he just started to develop. Like you kind of pegged him as a certain type and then he just turned you around and said, nope, I'm not, I'm a lot better. Yeah. And if this is like the new permanent Kemba, mm-hmm. holy hell, then he's a superstar. Then Charlotte has a definitive superstar, yeah. which is a word we haven't associated with Charlotte in like forever. Right. Yeah. I mean, he played, Kemba played well last year. He had, you know, he said career highs last year and we thought, oh, okay, cool. Can he do it again? Or was that an anomaly? And I think, mm. I think it was also Zach Blow who tweeted this, uh, you know, he he was praising Kemba, and he was saying, like, when Charlotte signed him to that extension, they were betting more on his work ethic than his skill set. So, like Jimmy, you know, they saw some they saw a guy who was not going to get complacent and yeah. say, okay, I'm a 20-point, 6-assist guy. That's good. I'm going to just settle into that range for the next 10 years, make my money, and get out. Like, Kemba has continued to improve on the weaker parts of his game. Like, he was not an elite three-point shooter when he came into the league, and now look at him. I mean, (laughs) you know, like, it's really impressive what he's done, especially, you know, Sarah, you mentioned Batum. He's kind of struggled so far this year, and Roy Hibbert has been dealing with knee issues uh, since basically opening night. Uh, You know, they lost a lot of depth off the bench in the summer, so that's, I think, why a lot of us were... Not necessarily low on Charlotte. Like, we all had them as a playoff team, but not as, like, a top four seed. Uh, oh, we so, were low. We yeah. were low. Yeah. yeah. We were not, like, Sixers or Nets low. We we still had them as a playoff team, but just not in that true, like, could pose a threat to Cleveland mm-hmm. range. But, now you know, now they're looking really well. Uh, I also just want to shout out Atlanta. Like, Dwight Howard, He uh, he's been out, I think, the last game or two. Uh, but he's totally transformed that team. They, you know, rebounding was always a huge issue with them, with the Horford Millsap front court. And I think they're now like ninth or tenth in the league in terms of rebounding percentage, whereas they were in the bottom five uh, during the Millsap Horford era. So I'm hoping this thing with Dwight is not long term, and he can get back on the court soon. We will mention I'm in our crush segment. We will mention the guy later who uh, is going to help hold the fort. For Howard when he's gone. Uh, Houston, uh, I think this is a perfect place, actually, to seg into a MVP race update. Because, guys, you made fun of me for James Harden <laughs> as my MVP pick. Are, are we still laughing? Yeah. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, look, I'm just being stubborn. I'm still yeah. laughing. Yeah. Because I picked Kawhi. Yeah. Who's just flat out better? I don't care what you what you're gonna say. He's just better. I'm still laughing. No, look, no one foresaw James coming in and averaging almost 13 assists. Like, come yeah. on, that was just we. What, what what did we project him as? Like 30 and nine? Yeah, something like that. To be fair, so Mike D'Antoni spoke to uh, Bleacher Reports Kevin Ding before the season started, and he said, you know, I hope. James can double his number of assists from last year, and he averaged 7.5 last year. So then Ding went back to Harden and told him that. He was like, what? Are you, are you serious? Get out of here. Uh, but, you know, look at him. Like, he had 
What, against the Lakers that first night? He had, like, nine assists in the first quarter, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, 12 yeah. and 9. Yeah. This this point Harden thing is working out very well for Houston. So, I, I'm still pretty pleased. I mean, he, not, he might not win MVP, but he is playing at an MVP level. That said... You know, you're you guys both pick Kawhi. He is he is a rock. He is still a two way. You know, you could argue the best young two way player in the game. You know, LeBron James is not young anymore, which is why you could put <laughs> Kawhi in that category. Uh, well, well, what? he is the best two way player in the game. Ahead of LeBron? I think here's the yeah here's the thing. Wow. I think no, but hear my argument though. Okay. Because you can't just quantify it as being a two way player. You have to look at the specific impacts. I think Kawhi is that good of a defender that the difference in offensive output is not as great as the difference there is defensively uh, between him and LeBron. I think he is that much better a defender. That is, it's it's not even close in terms of where LeBron is. Even LeBron has those uh, two minutes yeah. intensive things where he just looks like the best defensive player in the world, right. and then he's right. sort of you know jogs a little bit back and then reserves his energy. But Kawhi looks like that for at least twenty minutes of every ball game. Yeah, he, he is he is Scotty Pippen level. In terms of defense, I'm probably even better now. I yeah, Bulls fans, I said it. Come at me. Um, and the fact that he's averaging 25 points and has learned how to get to the line, has a terrific three ball. Then I think the offensive separator between him and LeBron have also been lessened. What where LeBron absolutely kills him is in terms of playmaking ability. Mm-hmm. And that's a fair argument. And LeBron is overall probably. He's probably more influential, mm-hmm. but in terms of being a two-way guy, like that specific label, I'm actually going to put Kawhi above him, just because while I love LeBron's two-minute outputs, Kawhi does it for 20, and he does it so greatly, and he's become so smart. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable. So, yeah. Just, just, a, said it. just a reminder, listeners, that Morton is a Bulls fan, so that may be tinted <laughs> in some degree. But to be fair, he is not Sarah, who is the Spurs fan on the podcast. So <laughs> the right. fact it did not come from Sarah uh, says something about how good Kawhi is. And again, Sarah wrote a piece for B-Ball Breakdown uh, earlier this year about Kawhi not being a system player. I think, congrats, Sarah, that piece has been more than justified in the first mm-hmm. couple weeks of this year. Uh, so, you know, Kawhi and Harden both in the MVP race. Other guys, Chris Paul's been playing out of his mind. Russell Westbrook's been putting up insane numbers. LeBron and KD are going to linger around there. So we said it coming into the year, this is going to be one of the, you know, it's not going to be the Stephen Curry MVP, unanimous MVP. This thing is over by December. Like, this is going to be a very good MVP race all year. No love for Jimmy, though. Jimmy Butler's in there too, as yeah, is Dane. Yeah. Yeah. And hell, I'll even throw in Greek Freak because he's putting up ridiculous numbers. Yeah, he is. So we're we're gonna we're gonna touch on the Bucks in a future podcast. We have not forgotten about them. Don't worry, Bucks fans. Your time is coming. Uh, that said, we're gonna move now to our "Where Amazing Happens" segment. And let's face it, the most amazing thing that happened this week 
The Spurs are retiring Tim Duncan's number. And the Don't surprise, cry, Sarah. The surprise of all surprises, they will be doing it on my birthday, actually, December 18th. Wow. Uh, I know. <laughs> two, two holidays in one day. So, Sarah, could you give us your best fake Tim Duncan speech from that event? Uh, I think Quixen Ramirez on Twitter pretty much nailed it. I think he said... What thank you all for coming. Playing basketball for the Spurs was fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much it. No, I you guys, I'm thrilled because yeah, I get like a ten ticket plan every year, partial season ticket, and it just so happens that I have a ticket to that game. Oh, that's so fitting. That is so fitting. So, like, what are the chances, you know? But the last last two years I've been pretty happy, been been lucky. I I got Kobe's last game in San Antonio last year. Got a good Golden State game. I'm just happy as can be. Who who are you going with? I won't have – I'm going with my mom. So, yeah, bonus will be we won't have to spend any money on gas. We can just float home on our tears. So, (laughs) 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 Because your mom has to record your reaction there at halftime. We need to see this. I mean, come on. I think it's happening post-game, right? Is that what I read? Is it post-game? Oh, I thought it was halftime thing. Okay. No, they want you to watch the whole game. They're not letting people sneak out early. Smart. So, yeah, congrats to Spurs fans and Sarah for having it lucky into a ticket to that already. And congrats to Tim Duncan, a obviously well-deserved honor. Uh, The other big off-court story of the week is this Phil Jackson-LeBron James posse beef. So, do you want to explain what's happening? Or I could explain what's happening, and then we'll we'll just go into it. So, yeah. Jackson spoke with ESPN's Jackie McMullen. He was, I don't even know why he was talking about LeBron James, like going when he left Miami for Cleveland. Uh, But he's, he was saying, you know, LeBron wanted to spend the night in Cleveland uh, and they don't do overnights. They don't do overnights. So now Pat Riley comes in and says, you know, you're not going to stay there. And here is the quote. He says, you can't hold up the whole team because you and your mom and your posse want to spend an extra night in Cleveland. So Maverick Carter, who uh, runs LeBron's agency, uh, obviously took offense to the term posse, uh, you know, because these are very successful men on their own right, uh, and posse has some negative connotations to it. And then LeBron, uh, you know, said he lost respect for Phil Jackson after hearing that. And Carmelo Anthony actually also spoke out and kind of uh, was just very confused about the remarks. So we don't need to dive into who was right, who was wrong. I think there's a pretty obvious answer there. But Morton, do you think this is going to have longer-term effects on the Knicks, particularly when it comes to acquiring players either in, well, I guess in free agency next summer and the following years, so long as Phil Jackson is president of the team? Possibly. Here's the thing. I just need to, to say this because I actually didn't know that posse was a negative word. Hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I live in, in little Denmark. I don't know these things. I, you know, I just didn't. Uh-huh. So I'm so glad that the NBA can educate me in these <laughs> matters. 
<laughs> really? Be- no, I, 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 that sounded like a joke, but I'm actually being sincere because I, I've, I could have mentioned that. I could have used that word with no ill intent, obviously, but I could have said it uh, accidentally and someone might have gotten frustrated or upset or whatever. So I'm, I'm glad to know that, okay, there's a word that we simply don't use anymore. That's mm. Thank you for that. Um, but yeah, of course, of course, whenever there's racial tensions i think that's that might be a strong word but it seems like that's the case unless i've i've misevaluated the entire situation then obviously that's going to linger into decision making mm-hmm. uh, would you want to be under phil jackson if he has some inclination of using words that are like that well maybe but maybe not maybe money talks right I've, I mean, it's not like he said a, a worse word, if you know what I mean. Yes. Uh, I mean, and to to his thing, I don't think Jackson even understood that he said something wrong. Like, we have to look at intent mm-hmm. sometimes, though. Yeah. And I, I don't think he meant ill will. He just said something because, like me, he was wildly <laughs> undereducated on that matter and not that word. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I think... It's definitely not like a Donald Sterling situation. We should clarify that right now. Right, right, uh, right. He is not like an overt racist. We don't <laughs> no, know. He, we yeah. don't yeah. know whether he knew the connotation or not, or what he meant specifically by that. He could have just said, you know, LeBron even said something like, uh, "What did he say exactly?" He said, "Yeah, it's the word posse and the characterization I take offense to." If he said LeBron and his agent, LeBron and his business partners, or LeBron and his friends, that's one thing. So it is just the term posse. Um, I, I would argue that the word posse, in and of itself, is not inherently negative. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and and that was the one thing. Like LeBron said, if you go and read the definition of what the word posse is, it's not what I've built over my career. It's not what I stand for. It's not what my family stands for. I I don't really know what he was getting at with that because like the actual Merriam-Webster definitions are a large group often with a common interest, a body of persons summoned by a sheriff to assist in preserving the public peace, usually in an emergency, <laughs> a group of people temp- temporarily organized to make a search as for a lost child, or the last one, entourage. And the last one, I think, is where the context comes in. Because while I don't think it's a negative word, and I understand the argument of coded language, um, I think in context it makes sense that Maverick uh, Carter would be upset and that LeBron would be upset because it was dismissive at best. It was mm-hmm. the implication was that these guys are hangers-on, not yes. guys that like yeah. have you know something yeah. to offer on their own. Um, so that all makes sense. Um, I <laughs> I don't know what Phil's intent was. Uh, I don't know if it'll affect the Knicks or not going forward. But uh, I did retweet something last night from Scoop Jackson that I think is like 10 years old. It was uh, posted by a buddy of mine, Jamal, who I think his handle is at Bulls Bears Shy, C- uh, CHI, Chicago, um, that did mention that it's not the first time that Phil Jackson has said something kind of borderline condescending or. Uh, he's mentioned hip hop community and thuggish clothing and things like that before, so that's mm-hmm. where you know he kind of loses benefit of the doubt. But yeah, I, I understand why they were upset, but I also don't think that that the word itself is that bad a word. So I don't worry too much about using it more. I mean, it has had like slang connotations, 
these days. Yeah. But yeah, it's not yeah. <laughs> in and of itself. It's not inherently a negative word. Yeah. Yeah, I think you nailed it, Sarah, about the hangers-on point, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of, it's no secret, a lot of NBA guys, uh, you know, they, they try to give back once they, you know, they make millions of dollars, and they try to give back to the people that they grew up in with, some of whom are not as fortunate as they are. But LeBron, rather than doing that, you know, it's not like he just doled out millions of dollars to his friends and says, come hang out with me all the time. He empowered these guys, and now they all run a part of his business uh but they you know it's not like he's running it and they's putting their name on it like they're doing that so there is that kind of connotation that they are uh kind of like leeching off of him rather Mm -hmm. than like complimenting him and like building a support structure around him so i think i have a feeling that's kind of where the uh the anger and the the um you know all of that comes from that said I don't know that it's going to affect the Knicks in a huge way moving forward. I think, you know, probably that that ends the speculation of will LeBron James ever join the Knicks. <laughs> but frankly, that ended in 2010 anyway. Uh, and you know, LeBron does have sway over some other players in the league. Like he can get guys to come to Cleveland for below market contracts. Uh, but I don't think he's going to tell. You know, all of his friends in the NBA don't play for Phil Jackson. He's a racist. I don't think it's going to go that far. So I wouldn't worry too much, but it is something to keep an eye on with Phil uh, moving forward. Because if this turns into a trend, you know, it's people of his generation grew up very differently from people in our generation. So their experience, uh, just in terms of race, you know, when he grew up, the country was still segregated and like our parents generation too like it's just a very different frame of mind so you know once you get to be the like phil jackson's age you're a little more stuck in your ways and you're kind of just used to the, your own perspective rather than continually evolving especially on things like race i'm sure so even if he didn't mean to offend there might just be that thing in the back of his mind you know that's doesn't yeah. mean to be racist, but it still kind of is. <laughs> but it is. Yeah. yeah. And it that's a good point that it's it's very much generational too. Not even yeah. uh, as far as the, the racial uh, implications, although that is there. But like like you said, I don't know why he was talking about LeBron in the first place. I've been trying to <laughs> right. figure that out. Um, right. But I do think it has to be unsettling for kind of the old brass, the old guard guys like Phil and, and Pat Riley that when young kids come up and sort of, you know, let's face it, LeBron does wield a lot of power, whether, you know, he means to or not. Um, so that's probably unsettling for guys who have been around for a long time. And, you know, (laughs) I don't think they like that. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's an interesting, I'm sure it's unnerving, especially if a guy comes in with not a lot of experience and it's kind of telling you what to do, but you know, they have, they have reason to be there as well. So. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. The, the player empowerment thing is a good point. It'd be really interesting to see if like, you know, if it's just a black superstar thing or if like Doug McDermott turned into a LeBron James esque 
uh, superstar would they have the one same can kind hope. of problems? Yeah, one can hope, Bulls fans. One can hope. <laughs> uh, Look, I'm, 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 I'm gonna. I would be really nervous if Phil had been the type of dude who had brought people into the locker room while players were showering and said, "Look at <laughs> yeah. those beautiful black bodies." Right? Yeah, right, right. Then I would be genuinely worried, and I would probably start a protest all the way from Denmark. Yeah. But yeah, uh, until we reach that point, hopefully we never do. Then, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna give Phil the benefit of the doubt here. But still, why was he talking about LeBron is in the first place? Is a damn good question, Sarah. Because, <laughs> yeah. and it's just so Phil because Phil has a tendency to just talk and really say nothing. I mean, the books <laughs> he's written, it's like the same book three times or whatever. It's like he could he just tells the same stories all over again. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of racism, uh, the other big story to come out this week was from ESPN Zach Lowe and Mark Stein. At least three NBA teams, notably the Milwaukee Bucks, Memphis Grizzlies, and Dallas Mavericks, have stopped staying at Donald Trump branded hotels this season, in part to avoid any implied association with the new president elect. So they're moving away from Trump hotels in New York City and Chicago. Uh, they said another Eastern Conference team contracted to stay at the Trump Soho has already decided to switch when its current contract expires, and other teams are still currently scheduled to stay at Trump-branded properties. So, uh, guys, do you think this is a good move for the NBA to distance themselves from the president-elect? How could you even ask that, Brian, based on, <laughs> on our conversation last time around? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. No, of course. I mean, I was actually surprised when I learned that teams were uh, staying at Trump-branded hotels. I thought mm-hmm. they were staying at, like, the Four Seasons and whatever. I never thought, like, Trump hotels would be a thing for, for oh, yeah. the NBA teams. But apparently it is. And, and yeah, good on the Bucks and Mavs and Grizzlies. And I, I hope every... Other team is going to follow their path, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, part of it, I don't want to say it's a matter of, like, safety for them. But, you know, in a lot of cities, including New York and Chicago, there have been protests at the Trump hotels. I'm not, I would assume they're still going on. I mean, in Chicago, at least, they went on the first five or six days after the election. And, like, Saturday, it was, like, an all-day affair. So in part, it could just be, like, wanting to avoid creating even more of a headache. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, based on, you know, we talked about it last time, based on a lot of the views that he espoused throughout the campaign and continues to espouse based on his uh, appointments and rumored appointments or people that are on his transition team, I don't know. It's not even, like, a minority thing. I just don't know, no matter who you are, what race you are, what religion, what gender, what sexuality you are, you can't support this man and you can't give more money to him. So I, you know, I, we talked about it on last episode. And if you want more thoughts on the NBA's take on the election, check that out. Um, but I, I, I just really admire the NBA for being a place where teams and players can express their views so openly. And we compared it last time to the NFL where, you know, guys are, biting their tongue like the Indianapolis Colts uh head coach this week just said like I'm not speaking on it because I'd probably get fired in five minutes so I'm glad the NBA is being more open and letting their players speak on these issues because you know we saw it earlier this year with 
Carmelo and LeBron and Chris Paul and Dwayne Wade when they got on stage in the ESPYs and said, like, this, we have a public social responsibility to use our power to do good and to mm-hmm. facilitate more understanding between, uh, like, the African-American community and policemen. Uh, you know, <laughs> things are only based on the rhetoric that's been used in the past, you know, in the election and now since, you know, there have been hundreds of hate crimes across the U.S. since, uh, since the election last week things may only get worse. So, I'm, you know, the NBA, I think that all of us would give a round of applause to the NBA for letting their players wield their power as they should and realize that they have a place that is bigger than basketball, which is like a noted change from the Michael Jordan era. That said, we are now going to move into our My Crush segment where we shine a spotlight on an under-the-radar player so we we already did Julius Randle, so let's let's avoid Mr. Randle for our crushes. Sarah, I'm going to start with you. Who is your crush for the week? Uh, I'll just go back. Uh, we should probably mention I did see Coach Fizdale said that the Grizzlies weren't trying to make any kind of statement, that they booked their hotels in advance and I don't know, whatever. But on the other hand, Jabari Parker from the Bucks did did make a statement that they absolutely were avoiding Trump hotels on purpose. So that's awesome. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, mine is a cop out because um, just just like uh, I know you said last week, you you didn't get to watch a lot of basketball this week. Yes. The last two weeks, I've really kind of been out of it, but I'm I'm coming back, guys. I'm gonna get up off the mat. Yeah. So it's kind of a cop-out, and I'm on a high from that game that I watched last night. Uh, Grizzlies Clippers are back. <laughs> that was a lot yeah. of fun. Um, yes. And I was thinking about, you know, that kind of weird conversation in NBA circles earlier this year that about, is Damian Lillard underrated? And we're like, no, he's not. Everyone knows how good he is. Uh, you know what I will say, though? Uh, Mike Conley is still probably more underrated than he should be. Now, obviously, yeah. he's getting paid lots of money, so obviously his team values him. But um, talk about a guy who's had the same, if you want to call him slights, that Damien's had. You know, he's not a Team USA guy either. He's not a perennial all-star. But he is a fantastic player. Last night, he had 30 points, was 7 of 9 from 3, 8 assists, 3 steals, 5 rebounds, and is leading the Grizzlies back. <laughs> yes. And, you know, back into the conversation where we thought they probably should be uh, in our season predictions. So that was a huge win for them, knocking off the team that's looked like the best team so far. Uh, so I just wanted to give Mike Conley a little love. I like it. That's, you know, <laughs> we, we do try to avoid the bigger name players, yeah. but I think you, you have a fair point in that, you know, Mike Conley has the biggest contract in basketball history right now, but he's still not mentioned <laughs> among those like top tier elite point guards but he is he absolutely is and he's under Fizdale he's really hitting his stride which is what you know we we mentioned that on the division preview as well we kind of expected Fizdale to let them run a little bit more than they have in years past and it seems like that is coming to fruition a little bit so good on you Mike Conley very glad (laughs) to see you earning your 30 million dollars a year (laughs) uh Mort how about you who's your crush for the week well, I don't have a player. Oh, I have a okay. skill. Oh, fun. <clears throat> My okay. crush is Andre Drummond's free throw shooting. Oh, yeah. I like it. Yeah. So last year, 
Drummond had eight games in which he shot over 60% from the foul line. Mm-hmm. This year, he's played 11, and in five games, it's gone over 60. Interesting. And that includes two games where he's been perfect compared huh. to last year where he only had one, and that was on one attempt. <laughs> So this year he's had two games where he shot three for three and one that was two for two. I like the fact that he's shooting over fifty. I think it's fifty three point nine percent or fifty two, something like that. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's fifty two point nine percent. It's not great by yeah. any measure, but considering he shot thirty five and a half percent from the foul line last year, it's something that I am overwhelmingly positive towards i love it i hope that he continues this improvement and i believe he thanks it all to virtual reality which is yep. awesome mm-hmm. um you know technology is is terrific and wonderful uh so my crush is andre drummond's free throw shooting because if he unlocks that skill that means damn gunny can keep him in at the yep. end of ball games mm-hmm. which is huge yeah. And that would have Drummond experience these late game situations on a more steady, uh, you know, uh, I'm losing a word here, but but you know, more r- routinely. Yeah, he would mm-hmm. be in at the end of games, and that would just give him so much more to, uh, to to for the playoffs, and it would ready him a lot more. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's my crush this time around. Yeah, that's a really good pick. Uh, you know, we we mentioned a couple weeks ago, you know how. That the fact that Van Gundy couldn't play him at the end of games or chose not to until his free throw shooting improved was one of the biggest drawbacks about him and what was holding him back. So it is really good to see him. You know, you said it. Fifty three percent is not great by any means, but that's a huge upgrade over thirty five. You know, that's more in like Dwight Howard territory or Shaq territory. And if he's so dominant that in every other facet of the game, uh, you know, even if He's shooting 53%. That, it, it becomes like a plus EV play to keep him in games. Because if you're if you're hack-a-drumming, doing the hack-a-drumming, uh, and he's hitting one out of every two at the line, you know, you're averaging, averaging at least a point per possession. And now it's yeah. suddenly worth worthwhile keeping him in and letting people hack him as long as he's making them pay for it with a little more regularity. So, good pick, Mort. Uh I, as promised, we I said in the Atlanta part earlier that I would bring up the guy who is going to help replace Dwight Howard for as long as he is out. That is Mike Muscala, who through 11 games, he's playing 21.6 minutes, averaging 9.9 points on 63.8% shooting, 4.6 rebounds, 1.8 assists, 0.7 blocks, shooting almost 37% from three-point range as well. Uh, so against Milwaukee on Wednesday, he started in Howard's place, had 16 points, five rebounds, three assists, and a block in 33 minutes. Dude just playing out of his mind. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. think any of us had had Mike Muscala on our radar coming into the year as a difference maker. That you know, there was some concern about Atlanta in the wake of losing Horford to Boston and trading him out with Dwayne Howard, but. Muscala's play off of the bench, and now you know now that he's in the starting lineup temporarily, it's really helping Atlanta stay afloat. Uh, so, I mean, their last three wins came against Philly, Miami, and Milwaukee, which is not exactly 
you know, a murderer's row of opponents. But before that, they beat Cleveland and Chicago. They were prior to Cleveland's loss against Indiana on Wednesday night, which came without LeBron James. They were the only team to beat Cleveland. So Atlanta's frisky this year, guys. I mean, we 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 said and we continue to say that it's you know it still looks like a Golden State Cleveland Finals is you know if you had to put money down you would put money down on that. But it is not a shoe in by any means. There are teams in both conferences now that could at least put a little bit of a scare into Cleveland, and Atlanta is one of those teams in the East. So, way to go, Mike Muscala. Yep. Keep it up. Hope, uh, you know, I don't know if you're going to shoot 64% for the rest of the year, but even if you keep at it, you know, even you keep you keep some level of contribution up off the bench, you're going to be a valuable asset for the Hawks. And to think, like, if they offered him an extension, mm-hmm. they could have gotten him so cheap. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He's going to cost, like, $15 million a year next summer. Oh, yeah. Well, he was a second-round pick, though, so they couldn't offer him an extension, right? Couldn't they? I think. His fourth year? Uh, yeah, I think. They, yeah, given I mean, that they have four years on him, they should have had, like, full bird rights on him, right? So yeah. he should have gone into unrestricted free agency? But I think you can only offer an extension for... First round picks, I believe. Oh, okay. Right, there you all go, speaking a different language again. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and apparently not a correct one because <laughs> I just messed that one up, so that's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. But your point stands in that he is going to make a truckload of money next year in free agency if he keeps this up. Mm-hmm. So that is going to do it for this episode of the NBA podcast. Again, be sure to check us out on Twitter at the NBA pod. You'll find all three of our Twitter handles in there as well. Give us a follow, please. Uh, Check us out on iTunes. Download, subscribe, leave some reviews. And then check out FanRag Sports on Twitter at FanRag Sports. Until then, I'm Brian Tepork, and always joined by Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. Have a good one, guys. Take care. Likewise, Brian. Easter is coming up, and I just can't wait to have the whole family in one place. And of course, what's Easter without an awesome Easter brunch? Now, I don't know about your family, but mine is a little picky, and I really wanted to impress them with something delicious. A friend told me I should check out Total Wine & More. It was crazy. They must have every wine and beer imaginable. I told one of their friendly experts my situation, and they found me just the thing. This sparkling wine is going to be absolutely perfect for brunch, even with my picky family. I know next time I need something, I'm shopping at Total Wine & More more. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.